Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Hey, if, you are, uh, if you're taking notes uh, tonight, I want you to write down this title, Heart Like His. Heart Like His. Tonight we're going uh, to be speaking out of the book of Jonah. Random. Speaking of the book of Jonah, but I'm excited about it. And uh, as I was as I was happened to be reading through it this week, I felt like God had had just asked me some questions that I want to in turn ask you tonight. And I believe that it's really going to to speak to you. I don't know if you've ever had it happen where you have been in a relationship that you've just been feeling conflict and tension build for so long that you got to the point where it was going to boil over and you just had to have a heart to heart with somebody. Some people love conflict. Some people love confrontation. They kind of seek it out. Other people avoid it at all costs. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you fall on. At some point in life, you've probably had to sit down and have a very honest, real, awkward, painful conversation with somebody. But if you've done it in the right way, you know that even as awkward and painful as it can be, it usually leads to something so good. A few weeks ago, I, I was with somebody who I'm super close to and, and had sit down with them and talk through some things, talk through some frustration and hurt and pain. And it was a really long conversation. But at the end of it, I felt like we both were on the same page again. I felt like we both were understanding where each other was coming from. The the book of Jonah is literally a heart-to-heart conversation with God and him. It is, it is a book where even though Jonah's name is on the book, Jonah is not the primary character of the book. God is. Because what God is doing is God is comparing and contrasting Jonah's heart with his own. God is showing throughout this book that that by nature, Jonah has this self-centered heart, and God has a heart of compassion for all people. He's teaching Jonah throughout this book that for him, there is no us in them, that I love the person who's close with me as much as I love the person who is far from me. And, and he's teaching Jonah throughout these, these short few chapters what it means to have a heart like his. What it, what it means to have a heart of compassion, a heart that, that aches for the lost, that, that bleeds for the lost. Now, like any Bible story, it's so easy for you and I to, to, to read it in the comfort of our living room with a cup of coffee in silence and get so self-righteous and judgmental being like, what is wrong with Jonah? I can't believe he acted like this. But if you are honest with yourself tonight... I think that this book is like looking in the mirror. There are so many things that if we're honest with ourselves, we can see ourselves in Jonah's actions. And so I want to, we can't read through the whole book tonight, but you can probably read through it in 10 to 15 minutes. And so I want to challenge you tonight when you get home before you go to sleep or tomorrow morning when you wake up and spend some time with God, I want you to read through the book of Jonah. It's like four chapters, I think. You can fly through it. But I, I believe that after tonight, as you're asking yourself some of these questions, it may give you a new spin, some new insight into this book. But I'm, I'm just excited to talk about this for the next few minutes. So I want to give you a few questions that I want you to kind of mull over this week. I want you to think about. I want you to pray about. I want you to, to self-reflect. And, and again, I believe if you're honest with you, this, this will really open the door for God to do some deep things in all of us. So the first question I want you to write down, I'm going to give to you in just a second. We're going to read Jonah chapter 1. Verse 1, it says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. 
he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. How many people know that it always costs you something to run away from what God has called you to? Jonah paid the fare to flee from what God had called him to. The first question I want you to write down is this. Do I value following God as much as I value feeling God? Do I value following God as much as I value feeling God? Now, when I say following, I don't want you to, to think that I mean the context of living for God. I mean the con- in the context of following what he's asked you to do. That as the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us and, and, and seeks to guide us and direct us and show us what to do and to prompt us and to put things on our heart and to put things in our mind, do I value being obedient and faithful and following what he speaks to me as much as I value um, feeling God. You know, a lot of times in church, you can have this, this initial encounter with God that is unlike anything that you've ever experienced before, and, and you are feeling the tangible presence of God, that you can feel the change that has happened from the inside out. And then what can happen if you're not careful is, is over time that feeling starts to fade, and, and you, you're not sure if is God pulling away or am I beginning to, to become callous? But it, something doesn't feel like it did originally. And then sometimes people get really twisted up and concerned because they say, well, I, I, don't, I don't feel it like I used to. And, and, and maybe you realize, well, it's not all about a feeling, but you're like, yeah, but there's something has changed. You know, we read about in the New Testament that, that after we accept salvation, after we accept what Jesus has done for us, that there is this transformation that should begin to take place. You're not going to be different overnight, but there's this, this deep-seated transformation that we be, start to become in the likeness of who Jesus was. That as we're in his word and as we're praying and as we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that from the inside out, things should start to change. If we're not careful... We can put so much of an emphasis on what we feel, our desire to feel God, that sometimes we don't value enough actually following what he's asking us to do. And what we're going to see in this book is that God's presence is attached to his calling. Maybe you know somebody who at, at some point in life did some, made a decision, maybe left a job or went on the mission field or, or, or did something so drastic, was obedient in such a crazy way, and in the moment you're like, I can't believe you're doing that. That's crazy. Like, that's making me cringe. I hope you're hearing from God. But you had respect for the person's faith, and then you see them after they did it, and you're just like, man, that, they just seem like they have such a close bond with God. Like, there's a part of you that's jealous of of where it feels like their relationship with God, it's, it's because the, God's presence is attached to his calling. When he asks you to do something, when he puts something on your heart, and you're obedient, and you step out in faith, even if it's scary, even if it's overwhelming, even if you don't understand, his presence is always there. His grace is always there. That he's never sending you off a ledge. He's never pushing you into a dark room for you to figure it out on your own. But his presence will always be attached to his calling. God speaks to Jonah and he says, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to speak to that city. And maybe in the moment, Jonah thought that he was just rebelling against God's call. Maybe he thought he was just running from this thing that God asked him to do. But, but we read, it says in this translation, he was literally fleeing from God's presence. I want to feel God. I definitely want to feel God. But do I value following what he asked me to do as much as I value feeling him? 
You know, it's so funny. When I feel God, that does something for me. A lot of times when I should be following God, that's doing something for others. God wants to speak to you. God is speaking to you. If you will listen, if you will posture yourself, if you will point your ear and your heart and your soul to his Holy Spirit, he wants to lead you and guide you through life. He wants to use you in incredible ways, but if we're a people who just values feeling him over following him, you're going to get to the point where you've ignored it for so long, you start to forget what it sounds like. You start to forget what it feels like. John says in 1 John that the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. We can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God, not just by saying I am intimate with God, but by walking in the footsteps of Jesus. So if you want to find his presence, follow his lead. If you're at a point in life when you're like, man, something's missing. I, I feel like I, I don't know what's going on. Start to follow his lead. Start to look at the footsteps of Jesus. Start to see how intentional Jesus was about speaking life into people around him, about not being so concerned with, with where he was going, but who he needed to meet along the way with who looked discouraged, with who was sick, with who was forgotten about, with who was overlooked. Begin to love people the way that God loves people, and you will end up in a place where you're in the center of his presence once again. It's never been a question of if God's presence have left you. God's presence pursued you, and it saved you, and it's pursuing, and it's trying to save others. And if you can just follow in his footsteps, you will remain in the presence of God. So, we see that Jonah pays a fare. He boards a ship to go to Tarshish, which was in the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. So if we want to draw a, a modern-day correlation, a self-centered heart that just cares about feeling God for myself is really in the opposite direction of the heart of God that has done everything for everyone that loves people so Jonah gets on this ship, and in this scenario only, I want you to hear me tonight. Turn to your neighbor and say, in this scenario. You guys whisper it like you're a bunch of librarians. Say, in this scenario. There could be five people in the room. I have no idea right now. It's dark, and I don't hear anything. It's, like, quiet in here. I'm like, did everyone leave? Am I here by myself? In this scenario, don't build a theology out of this and don't try to start applying this to your life. In this scenario, God sends a storm. Okay, so you don't need to draw conclusions and be like, I knew God made that happen in my life. Nope, in this one. God sends a storm. Okay, so Jonah is on this boat with a bunch of pagan sailors. Jonah is fleeing from what God asked him to do. He's fleeing from God's presence. God sends this crazy storm where all of these sailors are convinced that they're going to die. It's crazy. It is only getting worse. And so you read that all these pagan sailors were, were praying and calling out to all of their individual gods, asking them to save them, and nothing was happening. And so they didn't know what to do. They went and found Jonah. They were asking him. They ended up casting lots to see whose fault it was, and the lot fell on Jonah. So these pagan sailors, they turn to Jonah and they say, it must be you, what's going on? So now Jonah offers the information to say, it, it's actually my fault. I'm currently running from God. 
God asked me to do this, and I didn't do it, and I got in this boat in the opposite direction of what he asked me to do. And he's actually sending this storm because of that. So now the guys are afraid because they're like, holy cow, like this, God, you believe that this God, you know, sent this storm. This is crazy. So they, they, they asked Jonah, well, what are we supposed to do? And so I want to pick up in verse 11 where it says that the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked Jonah, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And Jonah said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. It will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. But check this out, verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. So the men do everything in their effort to not throw Jonah overboard and to get back to land, but they couldn't. So they get to the point where they pray to God and they say, God, forgive us for doing this, but we don't know what else to do. And this guy is saying that we need to throw him back into the water. And so they take Jonah and they throw him into the ocean. And as soon as they do that, the storm calms down. They all end up giving their hearts to the Lord and they, they all end up respecting God. And now Jonah is sinking to the depths of the ocean. So then what, what's crazy is that God sends the sea creature, this fish, to swallow Jonah as he's sinking to his death, drowning to his death. And, and you read in this story that Jonah survives in the belly of this creature for three days. That he would have drowned, he would have been dead, but God provided this thing to swallow him and to keep him alive for three days. In the second chapter of Jonah is one huge prayer of Jonah thanking God for saving his life. Thanking God for, for sending this fish and for sparing him from his his certain death. I want you to write this second question down. No one can love better than God, but do others love better than me? Nobody can love better than God, but do others love better than me? This never really stuck out to me before this week. But as I was going through this this week, the thought hit me, you know, isn't it kind of crazy that the pagan sailors cared more about saving Jonah than Jonah cared about saving them? Pagan sailors who had no relationship with God, never encountered God's love, made more of an effort to save Jonah, a prophet of God, who knew God, who had felt his love, who had felt his presence. They made more of an effort to save him than Jonah did. Jonah knew the whole time why the storm had happened. Jonah never volunteered on his own to be like, guys, this is me. When the lot came on him, he was honest about it. But it says that the men, even hearing what Jonah said, instead of listening to him, they did their best. They did everything that they could do to save this guy. There was no reason that they needed to have loyalty for him, to him. They didn't know him. But they were doing everything in their power to save Jonah. And it, it just strikes me a little funny that a prophet of the Lord... Now, once he's saved, you think that maybe even one verse in chapter 2, he'd be thanking God. God, thank you for saving those sailors. It was my fault they were in that position to begin with, and I'm so glad that none of them died. None of them were punished because of what I had to do. Thank you for doing that. The whole prayer of chapter 2 is just centered around thanking God for saving him. You know, 
sometimes I think that the world does a way better job at loving and accepting people than the church does. And there's no excuse for that. Nobody should love better than we do. Nobody should have more patience for people than we do. We may, do, we may show love to somebody in a different way. We may have, through Scripture, see how God asks us to love people and asks us to treat people. I'm not arguing that, but, but we should have grace for people. Nobody should outlove a Christian. Someone who has experienced the saving, eternal, unending love and grace of God should never be outloved by somebody else. But, but how many times in life we can fall into this self-serving mindset, this self-righteous mindset, and be so consumed with myself and how God wants to use me and me feeling God and all of these things that I lose sight of others. A, a prophet of the Lord is outloved by a bunch of pagan sailors. Now maybe as we're sitting here and I'm talking about this, there are people that are coming to your mind and you're like, but you don't understand why I don't love them. Like you don't, if you knew, if you knew what they said, if you knew what they did, if you knew what they didn't do, you would totally understand. You would get it. Trust me, you would get it. If you lived with them, you would know. I want to give you a little context of why Jonah was refusing to follow what God had asked him to do. You, you may think you have reasons. Jonah had some reasons. But God ultimately had his plan. So these Ninevites that, that Jonah was refusing to go speak to, Jonah's people had a history with. These Ninevites had a reputation. Not only were they a crazy people, I mean perversion and evil in every which way you can imagine, but they were known for being barbaric, for being torturous, especially to, to uh, Jonah's heritage to his people. There was hurt, there was pain, there was so much racial tension in between Jonah's people and these Ninevites. The modern day equivalent would be uh, a Jew from New York City traveling to Berlin to save Nazis in the 1940s. So we could sit back and we could judge Jonah all we want for not being obedient to what God had asked him to do, but but there were some things going on inside of Jonah. Jonah had some reasons. You know, it, it's one thing to love somebody that you know. We should do that. God asks us to do that. It's a whole other thing to love somebody that you don't know. When there's nothing, you don't, I, like these pagan sailors. That's, that's a whole other thing. It is a God thing to love somebody that hates you. It's a God thing to start loving somebody that you've hated. You know, we, we read in the Gospels that, that Jesus asks us to pray for our enemies. To pray for our enemies. Why do we pray for our enemies? We don't pray for our enemies like, God, I'm praying for that person because they need to be changed. Because they need to be taught a lesson because, God, you better do something in their life. Nope, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus asks you to pray for your enemies, not so that they will change, so that your heart towards them will change. It's so easy for us to forget that we were enemies of God at one point. That, that we didn't do anything to deserve God's grace. Nothing I could do could earn that. It was the free gift of God to say, even though you've sinned against me, even though you've done your own thing, even though you've gone your own way, 
I'm going to make a way for you to have relationship with me. I'm going to make a way for you to spend eternity with me. I'm going to have the band come up as I begin to wrap up tonight. This idea has been sticking with me all week. Do, do I get outloved by others? You see two scenarios where Jonah is outloved. The first scenario with these sailors is just the simple fact that he was more concerned with self than he was with others. How, how many times in life that I can get so caught up with what's going on around me, with what is affecting me, with what I desire, that I don't have any mental capacity to think or feel for somebody else. Second scenario where, where Jonah is being outloved is he's got some, some anger. He's got some bitterness. He's got some, some, some hatred stored up in his, his heart that is preventing him from having a heart like God's for these people. So after Jonah prays in the, the belly of this fish and thanks God, God commands the fish after these three days to spit Jonah up. So, so this fish comes to, so, to shore, spits Jonah up on dry land, and then God asks Jonah to go to Nineveh again. Now I think at this point he was really just doing it out of guilt because you read that he didn't have a great attitude about it. So like, all right, God, I guess you saved my life, so I'll do it. So Jonah makes the trip to Nineveh, and then you read that he spent 40 days going around this city full of his enemies, full of people that he hated, speaking about God and, and speaking this word that God had given him, and the craziest, most radical thing happened, the people listened. You read that, that as he was saying this, that the, the people took heed of the warning that they repented and and. They gave their hearts to God. So much so that the king makes a declaration to say, we're all going to repent as a nation. We're all going to turn to God. Now, man, when I read this, I'm like, holy cow. If I was Jonah, I would be like, are you kidding me, God? I can't believe you could use me like this. Like, what? I had such a bad attitude, and then look at what happened. This is wild. Maybe... Probably put it on my Insta story. Like, yo, those are Ninevites behind me praying. Like, I would be so thrilled, right? But Jonah wasn't. Jonah was actually, like, angry about the whole thing. You, you would think that under the circumstances, he, he would just be blown away. But Jonah was actually angry to the point where it says that, that Jonah went and he he climbed a mountain to watch just in case God changed his mind and decided to burn the city up. Dude has some issues, right? Before you judge him, how many of us take the approach when we have something, you know what, they're going to get theirs. You know what, I hope they keep doing what they're going to do, what they do. They're going to hang themselves. They keep treating people like that, watch what happens. Again, it's so easy for me to look at Jonah and judge Jonah, but so many times the posture of my heart when I feel like I'm offended, when I feel like I'm hurt, is I'm just waiting to see somebody else get what's coming to them. What goes around comes around. The heart of God is, man, I forgive you. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. 
Jonah is just, he's overcome with this anger and this bitterness. And as he's sitting on this mountain, hoping that God would change his mind and God would do what, what he wants him to do, God does this crazy miracle where he immediately, out of nothing, grows this huge plant to give shade to Jonah, to ease Jonah's discomfort. It says that it was so hot that it had a scorching east wind, and Jonah was burning up up there, inside and out. So God gives this huge plant with these leaves to shade Jonah, to ease Jonah's discomfort. And it says that Jonah was so happy, that Jonah was so thankful. You read that his whole countenance changed when God did this miracle. 24 hours after this plant came to life, God commands the plant to die. And this plant withers away. And you read that Jonah's posture changes again and he's furious to the point where he says, God, just kill me. I don't even want to live anymore. Just take me out kill me right here. I, I, I'm so angry. I'm so furious. I want to read you what God's response is to Jonah's actions. The Lord says, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than a hundred and 20,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. I want to ask you this last question. You can write this down. What is my heart moved by? What is my heart moved by? Am I just driven by my own comfort, my own desires, my own wants? Or have I allowed the Holy Spirit to do a work in me and I'm, I'm driven to, be, to have a compassionate heart like God's? I'm driven to love people. People I know, people I don't know. I'm even trying to pray to say, God, help me love people that hate me, that, that have treated me poorly. God, change my heart. What, what, what is my heart moved by? God ends the book with this question. You, you don't get any resolution. You, you, you don't hear Jonah's response to God's question. It just ends right there. I think it's because God is still asking us the same question today. See, by God performing this miracle and giving a plant to appease his comfort, to relieve his discomfort, and then taking it away 24 hours later, God exposed his heart right there. You know what's crazy, Jonah, is that I just saved a nation of people that I created that I love. And you're up here worried about your own comfort, about your own needs being met. You're up here harboring so much bitterness and anger against you. Man, I created them. I even care about the animals that are there. That, that's what my heart bleeds for. That, that, that's where I'm at. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in life, to get caught up in, in chasing the American dream, to get caught up in the rat race of trying to be successful and, and be somebody and make a name for yourself and, and have things and, and achieve status and reputation, all of these things. And, and meanwhile, we're ignoring hurting and lost people all around us. 
you know, I, I show up in church and, and I'm real good at asking to feel God, but the moment that I leave, I turn my ears off and I don't give it a second thought about following God. God, what are you speaking to me as I'm driving into work on Monday morning? God, who am I supposed to talk to? Who am I supposed to encourage? God, who are you already working on? Like, what could I do to just be a part of their story and what you're doing? So easy to just get caught in that trap of living for my own comfort and desires and wants. And God is saying, man, you want to be close to me. You want to be intimate with me. Man, follow my footsteps. Read my word. Read how I treated people, how I talked to people, how I, I made it a point to go out of the way, to take detours and to do things, to encounter people that need to hear it, that need to know it. Follow my footsteps. Stay close to me. Listen to my words. And you're going to be in my presence. Your, your heart will begin to be transformed. You will begin to be motivated and moved by what moves my heart. The things that pain me, the things that burden me will begin to pain and burden you, and you will begin to to walk how Jesus walked. You will begin to be be used by God in ways that you can't imagine, and and, and rescuing people and saving people and bringing freedom to areas and, and breakthrough and salvation and all of these things, if we could just value following what he's asking us to do, putting an emphasis on hearing the Holy Spirit and being obedient and and making sure that we're loving people like God has loved us. I'm not asking you to be original and do something that you haven't seen before. I'm just saying if God has loved you, if God has forgiven you, if God has given you grace and shown you patience and, and supplied you with peace, could you just do it for somebody else? Could you just pass on just a little bit of what God has given you so freely? Can we just evaluate, God, what is my heart moved by? God, where, where, where is my heart at at the moment? It's a big question to ask. It's, it's, it's tough to be that honest. I love David and how honest he is. All of his prayers, all of his songs, everything that he writes is just so transparent and so honest. And he says in Psalms 139 in the Passion Translation, it reads like this. He says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.